This is exactly right. You want to be true to yourself, but you feel like the person who you're being is not being accepted by all of the places that you want to be accepted by. So it's really challenging. Um, and so I would add just in life for all of us, when we are stuck to a path that is not unfolding for us, these are all opportunities and messages. And it's it, it's really hard to shift the, our, our perspective to seeing something that's not working in the way we want it or something that feels painful to be an opportunity. Happy Holidays, Parent Footprint listeners. You're listening to the new December Sitting Down with Dr. Dan bonus episode. Today, I'm here with our amazing audio engineer, Phil, also dad of two, to answer your listener questions. We so appreciate your questions every month. We take them from all of the platforms, Facebook, X, Instagram, and we get a lot of emails, um, podcast at drdanpeters.com. So let's do this. Hello, Phil. Hello, Dr. Dan. So I don't want to shock you, but it's almost 2024. It is. <laughs> it <laughs> is. We are, uh, we are hurling quickly towards that uh, guidepost. Landmark. Uh, landmark. We, we are. And, and with that, it's been, I think, another incredible year of conversations and insights and I'm really looking forward to seeing what next year brings. Ditto. Very excited. Uh, every year, every year brings something new, right? That's the truth. It does. Mm -hmm. It yeah. does. And I think uh, you know we've learned a lot uh, doing this show, and and we've learned a lot from our guests and working with each other. And so I'm I must say I am grateful to be a part of this. Thank you, and I share the same sentiment. We do. We continue to grow. Yeah. We, uh, you, me, Laura, through our conversations on air, mm. off the air, yeah. and our listener questions, they, they bring in so many important and relevant questions, challenges, musings that it impacts us regardless of where we are in life. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. There's something in it for whether we have young kids, old kids, no kids, um, former kids, it's just... It's, it always comes back to us and how we approach these things as, as people ourselves and yeah. as people who are um, guiding others, whether they are in our immediate family or, yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is a perfect segue into our questions. So our first question comes via social media, and it goes a little something like this. Our daughter is job hunting, and it's hard these days for young college graduates. She's a bit down about it. How do we encourage her when she's been unsuccessfully trying to get a job in her field for a long time? Very common situation, um, as this listener points out. It is hard, um, the transition from college to young adulthood, from all of the structures and built-in um, friendships, socializing, activities, 
um, internships, you know, classes, all of that. It's just, it's like this cocoon for many in college. And then we're all forced out to the real world. Um, Those of us who go to college, um, people who take an alternate path often have this transition earlier. Like you can't get away from this transition. No, it's happening. Right? It's like, and then, so it's then (laughs) what, what am I going to do? What am I going to be? And there's some people who um, really don't have an idea after they get their, um, their training or their degree, if what they're exactly going to do, which is normal when you're that age, it's normal to not know. And then there are other people who have been focused, whether it is their major or their, um, internship interest area, their minor, or just, um, they're really clear on what they want to do and therefore they have this path and this is my field. Which, yeah. is, which is kind of how it was in the olden days, right? You like, yeah. kind of decided what mm-hmm. you were going to be, and then you went and did it. And it seemed in the past, it was, depending on what generation, it was sort of easier just to kind of go into that next step. So, right. so all this is to say, it takes a lot of tenacity. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of disappointment. And there's a lot of um, confusion and wondering, like, what is going on? What is what is, is there something wrong with me? Why am I not getting taken, um, into this field that I am so interested in going to? So here's what I find besides this parent has already, these parents, I'm sure from what it sounds like have been encouraging, Mm -hmm. you know, don't give up, Mm -hmm. keep at it. This Mm -hmm. is normal. It's hard. So beyond that, um, I think in these situations, we need to be thinking about bridge jobs. You're reading my mind. It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> because we get locked in to this path. And if this path isn't working right now, we got to open it up a little bit and not feel like, wait, I studied business and now I'm going into um behavioral health or, you know, I'm, I'm a scientist. So, and I'm a scientist in this kind of lab and on this kind of topic. And the thing is, this person has lots of skills, lots of skills related to and beyond that interest or major area. And it's often going outside of those things that can open up other possibilities but also give experience, give purpose, get money, start to network. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are surprised what that can actually turn into. Either it is the actual bridge to the right. job that's coming, or the path is slightly different than what we think about. And what I've found in my own life, when I am fixed on a particular path, which I am very good at doing. Like, this is what I'm doing. These are my goals. This is what has to happen. It can be very limiting and restricting and close off other possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I could not agree with you more. When I graduated, I was going to go into web design, which was still a somewhat new, uh, new vocation. And I was going to have a job with Time Life Books working on their website. And then the internet market, it just went, it just plummeted. And there were hiring freezes everywhere because everything expanded too fast. AOL was laying off people. 
And so I went from having a guaranteed job, you know, maybe two months before I, I even graduated to mm-hmm. having no prospects because I wasn't looking anywhere else because I didn't know to mm-hmm. look anywhere else. I yeah. got a job offer. I took it and that was that. Apparently it was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, yeah, there was a little floundering and, and what am I going to do now? And the, what I did was I called up a temp agency and just started doing temp jobs. And then that way, I felt like I was being productive, that I was at least using some of my skills. And I was feeling, like I said, productive. And then I looked for a job while I had a job. And that's mm-hmm. an advice I give to everyone. It's always better to look for employment when you're employed. Mm-hmm. That's just it, mm-hmm. mentally, financially. But once you can take a step away from whatever you feel that path was meant to be. These paths we follow in our lives, if I've learned anything at all, is that you think you're, you know, there's a, there's a turn coming up ahead. You think you're going to take a left and then mm-hmm. you have to take a right because that road is closed. And then it takes you, you know, down another route and another route. And, and as long as you are true to yourself and you could share this with your, uh, with your child, true to yourself true to your core values, what, mm-hmm. you know, which you are still learning about yourself at this age, but as long as you are true to you, then if that path changes, mm-hmm. you still know what you're about and that can give you some comfort. If that makes any sense at all. It does. It does. And it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to feel okay with that mm-hmm. in my experience and with those I know who have been in this. It's because it's you want to be true to yourself, but you feel like the person who you're being is not being accepted by right. all of the places that you yeah. want to be accepted by. So it's yeah. really challenging. Yeah. Um, and so I would add just in life for all of us, when we are stuck to a path that is not unfolding for us these are all opportunities and messages and it's it, it's really hard to shift the, our our perspective to seeing something that's not working in the way we want it or something that feels painful to be an opportunity yeah and so it's like the question is what might be the opportunity in this thing not working out exactly as we thought it would yeah Absolutely. Let's open it up. Open Absolutely. it up. Yeah. And, and I think too, and this is the last thing I'll say, if you are able to achieve that perspective, even if it's just for five minutes, make sure that you are patting yourself on the back for that because it's no small effort and, and that should be celebrated as well. And if you can feel good about that, then you can feel good about this ever-changing path as it unfolds. Before yes. You. Yes. Yeah. Great question. I feel like that one question we could talk about for hours. <laughs> we can, and many of us have been in this situ in that situation oh, yes. before. Yes. yes. As you as you point out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Question number two comes to us via email and says, "I am the son of great parents. My parents love being grandparents, but they always second guess what my wife and I do for our children." We would love some advice on this topic, Dr. Dan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that is a good one. That is a good one. Okay, so 
Yeah. And, and even like great parents, right? So it's this, it's this paradox because sometimes it's like, you know what? My parents weren't the best and now they're criticizing me, you know, like <laughs> right. look in the mirror people, right. right? This is, you know, gosh, I had great parents and we're trying to be good parents and our parents are being critical and judgmental. Mm -hmm. Okay. Few ideas about this and you are not alone. Um, most parents and grandparents, um, also are doing their best, mean well, and um, want the best for you, their kids, and their grandkids. And right. as we know, grandparents are from a different generation, and our generations are moving very quickly in terms of the changes from one generation to another, one decade to another, uh, whether it's Gen Z, Gen X, uh, mm -hmm. millennial, like, oh man, the, the it's just fascinating how our technology, our culture, our society is changing so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just as an example, like we got lucky with our kid. And I say lucky because smartphones didn't come out until, gosh, I want to say, I don't know, our oldest was maybe in middle school and our youngest was towards the end of elementary yeah. school. Like, So that in and of itself versus what came right next, which is everyone could be holding a tablet or a smartphone um, in their hand at any age. So just yeah. examples, it's really easy to, for the older generations to make judgments about, hey, we don't think this is healthy, or we don't agree with that, or that's too much whining, or you're always letting him get her, her get away mm -hmm. with things, and you really need to just put them in their place, or, you know, there's no whining. All you're doing is just enabling this whining, or yeah, 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 they might be anxious, um, but they got to step up and suck it up and like get back in there. Like whatever the message is, first message to you, parent, is trust yourself and what you and your partner are trying to accomplish and actually have a conversation about what you are doing and if you are both aligned with it. Um, because often you both can be mostly aligned and that's fine. Sometimes there's something you're like, yeah, well, I might see a, we maybe want to yeah. do this a little different. I mean, yeah. so on the one hand, the parent's judgment could open up a conversation of what are they judging for and is there any merit to it and how do we feel we're doing and do we want to just continue with whatever we're doing, whatever mm -hmm. we're being judged on. So trust yourself and have open conversations. Two, it's best if you are able to address this with your parents. And if you come from parents that you say have been wonderful parents, there's often, I could see an opening for you to share how you feel with a yes. parent who cares a lot about you. And it could go something like this. Hey, I, you know, you guys have been great parents for me. You guys know, have way more experience in being a parent than I do. And I know how much you love your grandchild, children. And I just have to tell you how we sometimes feel when you guys make certain comments. And it makes us feel badly about our parenting. It makes us feel judged by you. Not saying you're doing this on purpose, but I just wanted you to know how we're feeling. Now, again, I'm saying this not as nuanced, knowing the dynamics right. of your family, but ideally we communicate and have open dialogue yeah. and you see what comes back, right? Because yeah. sometimes it's, um, oh, wow, we 
would never want you to feel that way. We think you're wonderful parents. And um, yeah, we have thoughts about certain things, but we do not want to be stepping on your toes. Other times you might get a, well, we're just not comfortable the way that um, you respond to her in these situations or that they're always on their iPad or whatever that is. And then there's a dialogue about that. So you can actually hear your parent out to see where it's coming from. And then other times you might not get any response or open door because parents, some parents don't really know what to do with that, your, your adult parents. And it's still okay. You're still bringing it up and they're going to go mm-hmm. chew on it and think right. about it and maybe right. talk to their spouse about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't have all, too much to add to that. Only on the, on the relationship side with your, with your spouse, your partner. Uh, and this is, goes to anyone out there because this is, it's not a unique situation. Mm-hmm. Whether you had great parents or not so great parents, they're, will always be some interaction that might rub you the wrong way, might come off as, as judgy or, and, or just parent giving advice when it's a moment where you're not wanting child-rearing advice. But in those moments, too, and it might happen to you individually or to your significant other individually, and in particular with your relationship with your significant other, it's challenging. It's challenging as as um to be the recipient right if you're on the in-law side you know what i'm saying yes yes you know where i'm going with this i so know where you're going with that make sure that you are you know, making your significant other feel supported as well and always give them the sense that well you know their opinion comes first for you even even yeah. even if you agree more with your parents that's fine because there's still a way to make them feel like you are respecting them in this scenario and that you support them and that you are the team and then the your parents are the supporting cast but they have to feel like they are teammate you know player number one in your in your life and then there's ways to do that even if you disagree very important point, Phil. Um, alignment, being aligned mm-hmm. with your spouse, partner is so important because that schism can really grow if one spouse, particularly the spouse that is the in-law spouse, is mm-hmm. feeling um, kind of ganged up upon by partner and partner's parents. Whether yeah. it's su- even if it's subtle, yeah. People know, people yeah. know. So yeah, yeah, so I'm really glad you brought that up. It's, yeah. it's so important to be aligned with your partner, spouse. And if there is misalignment, that's to be worked out. And in a lot of cases to be worked out, not in the presence of the parents, the adult parents, right? It's like, it's a <laughs> private conversation. Yes, it's a private conversation. <laughs> it's something that you can even, if you need to seek some counseling support yeah. for, yeah. It's really important because these things can get pretty nuanced and uh, pretty complicated. Yeah. But it's just knowing that you and your spouse are in this together. Yes. Um, even if your adult parents are very involved in the family, you still have to have that cohesive aligned dyad. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, we get it. I mean, you were, you, know, you grew up with your parents, you yeah. are accustomed to, at the very least, not. Uh, encouraging conflict between yourself and your parents and and not wanting to upset them and then of course 
you start the next chapter of your life with your wife and then you have kids and then it can be tough in those moments of, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make someone upset or I'm going to, someone's going to be disappointed with this outcome. Yeah. It's tough. We get it. Yeah. And sometimes you got to disappoint your parents. And uh, most of us who have had parents, it's not the first time we've disappointed our parents with our behavior over the years. No, 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 there was, there was one other time. (laughs) Yeah, 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 right. (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Oh, good, good question though. Really good question. And it's, you know, it's, it's dynamic. It's, it, it'll, things just evolve over time as well. And always at the end of the day, it's an opportunity for you to become closer with your partner and for your relationship to, you know, grow, uh, right. Grow more. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. One last thing. Uh, and with the evolution of things evolving over time, um, the, the things you will be judged on will evolve over time too. <laughs> Cause as your kids get yes. older, you'll get judged on new things. Yes. <laughs> that is yes. aligned with the new developmental phase. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great point. Yeah. Great point. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that was said. All right. Next question comes via direct message. Our middle grade daughter, eighth grade has trouble saying no to friends, invitations to requests from her coach to volunteer for something etc. She is afraid to hurt feelings and has not listened to our advice. Mm-hmm. Such a sweet individual. Yeah. A sweet profile. Um, okay, first thing I think about in these situations is for parents to look at ourselves. Are they picking up any of these behaviors from us? Mm-hmm. What are we showing them? Are, is one or both of us um, have trouble saying no, um, overextended, afraid to disappoint, more of a pleasing personality? Um, nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just taking a look at ourselves because, of course, our kids are made, generally made up of our, uh, often made up of our DNA and always made up of um, their experiences, <laughs> which is <laughs> how they see the other adults who are their caretakers in the wor- world being in life, that good mm-hmm. old nature-nurture thing. And um, we got to start there because I often find that there is, there is often often a significant person in the child's life that that has some of these characteristics, if not all. And I also find that kids do better learning from us sharing about our personal experiences than us lecturing and giving guidance and advice. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So if there is one of you who could say, you know, I totally get this. I used to be a lot like this, or I've been working on this very thing. I've been working on saying no and uh, overextended. And I've been working on not feeling like I need to not disappoint people and be, what you know? What we call a pleaser—that is huge to have that conversation. Your kids go from glazed-over eyes to big, generally wide-open eyes, learning from you because it's not focused right on them. Yeah. So those are the first—the first few things I would suggest. The second thing, when it does come to our guidance as adults, humans who have lived longer, uh, due to our experience, is sharing the topic of boundaries. So a lot of times, none of us, none of us adults get this, this lesson in what boundaries are, this, this invisible, this invisible 
field around us that people that we either let people penetrate or we keep in a healthy sort of a healthy way of um you know thanks for that but i just don't feel comfortable doing that or oh gosh i would love to be a part of this but i just feel a little overextended right now and i'm just going to have to graciously say no or um oh i would i would love to be at that it's going to really pain me to miss it but i just know I need to get more sleep tonight or I need to study or I have to be at this place with my family. And it's so the idea of boundaries as a concept is huge to help kids understand that there is such a thing that they can actually set. Because the interesting thing is we talk about it generally with our girls as they're growing up when it comes to their bodies mm-hmm. and boundaries around their bodies and other making sure that anyone who um, if anyone is going to be physical with them or touch with them, that they're comfortable with it and they have what I'm calling is boundaries around that. Yeah. But this is beyond that conversation because it yeah. goes with all of the, all of these psychological, the, the psychological pull, the emotional pull, the behavioral pull, and that they have a choice, that they have a choice. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like in kindergarten or preschool, a lot of the, the teachers talk about, you know, they put the... Um, the uh, the circles around them, and yes. they're like, "This mm-hmm. is your personal boundary when you're on the rug. Mm-hmm. You know, don't invade anyone's personal space or boundary unless you ask permission." Right? The hula hoop. That's what I'm thinking. Like, it's like the yeah. hula hoop is around yeah. them, and yeah. and that kind of that's the end of it. But these boundaries again are beyond physical; they're emotional, they're psychological. Um, so I think that topic of discussion is good. And then looping it back again to your own experiences and struggles and victories, because that's going to land better. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at this age where our children start to see us as people as well. And and I'll be honest, in, in my experience, that's not necessarily a something that happens automatically unless we are taking the opportunity to show them that we are people, right? And this is a beautiful opportunity to do just that and and to share, you know, a, a relatable anecdote that really does go a very, very, very long way. And for the, for the people pleasers out there and, and, uh, you know, I'm guilty. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm with I, you. My hand is raised day, as well. Yeah. Still have a hard time mm-hmm. with the no word. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it takes practice mm-hmm. and it's never. And, and Dr. Dan, you correct me here if I'm wrong. It never feels great when I have to say, uh, I, I would love to, meet you out here tonight, or I would love to go see this band, or I would love to take on these extra three projects at work. It never feels great saying no. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, it feels a lot worse when you are so overwhelmed that one, you do a poor job on whatever you've committed to, or like you go out to spend time with people and you had something else to work on and you're unable to be present because you're so stressed out. Yes. So, and, and I'm sure we've all had experiences like that with saying yes, yes, yes. 
And and so you could even let you know, the, the cautionary tale side of it also be some information that you're that you're giving. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a it's a life skill, and it's a skill we all you know hone every yeah. every step every step of the way. Uh, but it does become it does become easier. The, the, yes, it's just it's just repetition. You know. It's Not practice. Say, yeah, don't say no to everything for practice, yes. but there yes. will be times where you <laughs> need to say no. And yes, no. well, I, I agree. <laughs> it gets it's often hard to say no. I mm-hmm. I still uh, experience that quite a bit. And as someone who has practiced saying no and practiced with my boundaries, both professionally and personally, over the last several years, I can say that there are some no's that feel so good. Like they feel so good. And when I was starting to practice this, I had this in-between when I was really working on being aware of if something is a hell yes, as they say, because if it's not (laughs) a hell yes, people say then it's a no, as you start to really discern in your life. Um, And now I'm talking maybe a little bit more about uh, young adulthood, adulthood than being a child. But... I will say I started to realize when I would say yes, but knew I should say no. The moment I said yes, I got a feeling in my body that was like light nausea, which was my sign like, oh, Dan, you knew it. You mm-hmm. knew it. And over time, I've learned to trust my feeling and ask myself, how am I going to feel if I say yes? How am I going to feel if I say no? And then in those situations, when I know I need to say no, to say no, I feel like it's such relief. I'm like, oh my gosh, I did something in line (laughs) with how I was feeling. And this feels so good that I did not commit to this thing, event, project, whatever it was, when it didn't feel right for me. So I would say the more and more you practice and discern, the nose can actually start to feel really good. And we don't have to feel the guilt and the disappointment, you know, the worry about the disappointment of others because we're staying true yeah. to ourselves. Yes, yes. Because if you can't do it, you can't do it. And you're not, you know, we can't control the emotions of others as much as we'd like to, even by saying yes, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there may be disappointment on the other side of your no, but that's, that is okay too. It's okay for it's okay for someone to be disappointed. That yes. is is a somewhat normal response to someone saying no, yeah. uh, depending on what it is. And that's okay too. Let that person have their feelings. You don't have to fix that. Yes. Not your responsibility. No. Yeah, but it's uh it's 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 the right age, I think, to really have this conversation and and deliver those relatable messages as as you know, mom or dad, the parent. As opposed to mom or dad, the you know, non-human with <laughs> that is impervious to to any any life struggles. Right. So, yeah, but that's a really good question, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like I said, it's a life skill. It applies to many, 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 many different situations where you know a, a, a yes or a no is might be warranted. Oh, great questions this month, but I feel like every month we say they this. Are. I, I we, think last we do. time. We do. La- yeah. yeah. Last time I was on with you, I, I said yeah. it and, and I'll keep saying it because I know we're going to continue to keep getting great questions.
All right. Question number four via social media. Our three school-aged children never tell us much about their day. At dinner, we ask, how was your day? And get a one-word answer. What would be a better conversation starter to hear a bit more? Dr. Dan? Yes, the uh, how was your day? Fine. What'd you learn? Nothing. Or I don't know. Classic. <laughs> timeless response. Timeless parent questions. Yes. And timeless <laughs> child responses. Yes. So... Those are the normal questions asked, by the way. So it, it's like, okay, what do I what do I have to do differently? And often it's asking a more direct question. Um, Sometimes people go around the table and say, okay, something good that happened today, something not so good that happened today, or what was the most interesting part of your day? What was the most boring part of your day? Um, anything new happened today? You know, and and you don't necessarily want to start with the learning question because the kids generally don't want to generally don't want to talk about that after school. Right. So you're just trying to get in this habit of talking about anything at the table as a family. So then, so then dialogue can come out of it, right? So one kid responds then another kid jumps in. Mm -hmm. And again, sometimes you just have to go with, yeah, what was the worst thing that happened today? Not that we're trying to be negative, but often kids can identify first with something that they were frustrated about or that they were mad about or they thought was unfair. And then you can work your way into other things. And of course, we don't always want to be negative, but you're just trying to connect in a way with something that they connect with. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of the times we ask questions about things that we want to know, but it's not necessarily what they want to talk to. Like, hey, so who did something fun at recess today? Or on a scale of one to 10, how was your day? Like something where it's just an answer that doesn't require that much effort on their part. And then I find like the, the ball starts to roll down the hill. And yeah. because you have multiple kids, if one is just not in the mood or one is generally not the talker, you got others to toggle back and forth with. Because the kids will generally yes. play off each other. Yes, yes. No, that's... Uh... Again, very similar thoughts and very similar experiences with my own kids. The how was your day is, it's too general, in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. It's too general. And I think because of that generality of the, of the, of the question, the, your child who's on the other side of that question might not really feel like you're interested Anyway, especially if that's the routine, you see them at the end of the day, how was your day? How was your day? But by getting a little more specific as Dr. Dan is recommending, it shows it shows your interest in in their day. And I mean, we're genuinely interested and I'm not saying that's the issue that these our parents out there are not interested uh but sometimes when you show that interest through asking a more targeted question, even if it's one that will return a simple answer, it shows you're interested. And in my experience, when my kids see that I'm interested in what they have to say, they tend to, uh, they tend to talk a whole lot more. Yeah. And I'm, I'm laughing because yesterday when I came <laughs> home and we were around the Island, um, our oldest who, um, has returned home for a stint 
And so, and she's working and my, mm. we're all working. And so, you know, we typically ask each other how our days was. And she, right. she said, she's like, so how was your day to me? And I remember saying, uh, pretty good. And she was looking at me like, okay, like that's it. And I'm like, I didn't have anything else to say. But if she would have said, so did you have that podcast today or is that tomorrow? And um, how many clients did you have today? Or like any of these other questions, I would have like answered the questions, but I was just like, oh, it was fine. I didn't have anything else to say. So I'm like, we're all, none of us are immune to this. I think if we think about it. (laughs) <laughs> and that is that is a really good point. That is, a, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So also yeah. give them a little grace too yeah. for those yeah. short for those short yeah. answers. Uh, yes. But yeah, no, absolutely. And and one final thought too. It, you could wait till around the dinner table to have it, or if that's where the, you know those conversations are commonly had that are kind of dead enders. You know, ask these questions when you're driving them to or from uh, like sports practice or theater. Because yeah. I find we have some of our best conversations yeah. when we're going to and from activities. Right. And the great point. And not necessarily like right after school, like mm-hmm. right when the kids get in the car, if you're picking them up or right when they get home, that's often the worst time to engage because just like us after work at times, we just want to like decompress. Mm-hmm. Just want to like yeah. take, take a little time. Don't want to like think about yeah. it, talk about it until later. Yeah. Yeah. And one other final, final, final comment that I've noticed too, we started engaging in this type of dialogue when the kids were still pretty young and some days now we don't even have to ask and they'll just come home and they'll just start you know talking about what happened at school today who was mad at who you know what they got on a test in this class or this teacher was being annoying so it's uh again i think uh, as it becomes more comfortable for you to ask these questions and them to respond it's going to ho- open up a whole new realm of possibilities for conversation with with your kids which is the best. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't understand half the slang terms that they're using, <laughs> it's still great. Bet. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Okay. Question number five. My mom's friends were talking about rust out parenting. And though I've never heard about this term, I'm fearful I have it. Can you discuss this? Yet another parenting term. What is this? I this don't know. Is, <laughs> this is yet another one. And I have to say, yeah. these terms are really creative. And yeah. they do, you know, some of them are repeat of other ones. And other ones, I think, do, do capture another nuance of parenting, which we can identify with. And, and I think this is actually, this is one of those good ones. So mm-hmm. rust out parenting, think of it as it's different than burnout. So a burnout, if you're burnout, okay. you're, you're burnt out. And a lot of people know what it feels like to be burnt out, mm-hmm. um, where you just don't have energy. You, um, are finding yourself not caring. Mm-hmm. You're feeling either like overwhelmed or underwhelmed and you just like, it's just a rough space to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now rust out parenting is right before this. So I think of it okay. as a, it's a slow burn. Uh, it's a slow burn that yeah. will result in complete 
burnout. Yes. But you're slowly getting like rusted out. You know, like when something rusts, um, like we have this little spot on our gutter and it's, I've been watching it rust for a little while and then it was just a little drip was coming out and then all of a sudden, you know, it's a hole and yeah. water is just going. Cause so it's like you're slow. <laughs> it was slowly rusting out yes. until it was gone. Until there's and nothing so, left. And, and we don't yeah. want to get to burnout. So when we think about this rusted out parent place to be, it's like, are we finding ourselves being really like snappy and reactive? Are we finding ourselves being resentful? Are we finding ourselves doing and doing and doing for our children and everyone else and not ourselves? Right. So yeah. you're, you're just getting like, you're getting rusted out. Yeah. And, and it is, you know, this show, a cornerstone is awareness as we always talk about. And it's, so it's being aware, like I would say, this is a real common place for parents to be these days, uh, particularly the people who really are conscientious and want to be the best parents possible, whether they're emulating their own parents or they're doing the opposite of how they were parented or somewhere in between. They're doing all they can for their kids in this modern society, which we know can be completely overwhelming no matter mm -hmm. where we are. Mm -hmm. And as we need to talk about when you are a single parent, it's harder. Mm -hmm. If you um, are in a um, struggling with finances and money and employment and having your basic needs met, it's exponentially harder. Yeah. So, yeah. We have to think about this as the whole continuum. And it's taking inventory of like, how am I feeling in my role? What is working and what is not working? And what do I need to do to either gain some support, to gain a little time? Um, am I doing too much? Do I need help? Um, do we need to back down some of the activities? Do our kids actually need to start doing their own laundry? picking up their own clothes, helping with food, mm -hmm. taking out the trash. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the bottom line is, if you are feeling like this, people, you are not alone. I think you're probably in the majority um, in that conscientious, want to be a really good, loving parent and raise healthy, loving kids. And it's, it's, it's an indicator. Like Feelings are our indicators of, hmm, what's going on? checking in and having an honest, honest inventory, which is often hard to do because some of those answers are, um, we don't want to, we don't want to hear them. And, and the other part about it is, wait, wait, I'm not supposed to feel like this because these other parents or these other moms, they're doing it all. I've seen their social media and I see them <laughs> at the parties. Like they're like kicking ass everywhere. First of all, no, they're not. And second of all, if they are, the power to them because they're in the minority yeah. and, um, and we always don't know the whole story, what's going behind the scenes. So try not to compare, try to have some compassion for yourself and really take, take a look inside to see like what is going on and what might need to change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I don't think I have all that much to add to that. I, I think you hit every, every solid point there. The only point I have about, the social media too, in terms of this feeling that you are rusting out, 
even if you're afraid that you're rusting out, one that says, okay, you're self-aware enough to contemplate that question, mm-hmm. which is huge. So pat yourself on the back. Yes. But if you're feeling this way at all, I find reducing the social media time and replacing it with something self-care related, even, yeah. if, even if it's reading you know, two pages in a book or going for a 10-minute walk and leaving your phone behind, that can be somewhat restorative in the moment as well and give you enough little oomph to you know, keep moving those feet. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that newer term to our community. That's a, I, yes. I, I actually, I think it's really helpful. I, 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 I agree. It, it, and it might be a newer term, but the feeling is, yeah, has it's, been around since it's not crawled new. out of the ocean. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that's it. That's we it. We have concluded our final bonus episode recording of for 2023. 2023. Yes. We're putting it, we're putting it in the oven. In the oven. Or we're putting it to bed. <laughs> or we're taking it out of the oven. Yes. And putting it in a bed. <laughs> yes. We're going to do all that. <laughs> yes. So everyone, we at Parent Footprint wish you all a very happy and healthy holiday season and new year. And looking forward to, uh, what 2024 brings for all of us and our community and looking forward to having these great conversations. Um, and so please keep sending in your questions. Again, we all learn and benefit from them, all of us. So by sending them in, you are helping our community. You are helping humanity. You are helping to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. So thank you for listening and being loyal listeners to our regular Thursday drop of Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. And of course, these new bonus episodes that drop the last Tuesday of each month, all in your regular feed. Thank you for continuing to follow us on all of our platforms at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Dr. Dan Peters on X. And of course, our website, drdanpeters.com. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? Be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself that guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.